You're listening to the Grow Further Podcast, dedicated to helping you on your journey to get from where you are now to where you want to be. I'm Christy. I'm Ellie. And we are your hosts. Grow further with us, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grow Further Podcast. This is Chris. I'm incredibly excited for our guest today. We are talking to our very own chief customer officer and co-president of CVS Pharmacy, Michelle Peluso. Now, listen, everybody, she has been somebody that I've wanted on the podcast for a really long time because as soon as I had the opportunity to meet her and listen to her speak, she was one of these leaders that you just lean into. I mean, she was CEO of Travelocity. She was CEO of Guilt. She served and worked for City and IBM and she serves on the board of Nike. So really, the question that I ask is, what can't she do? <laughs> you know, And this is going to be a two-part series. And the one that you're about to listen to right now, we're going to be learning a little bit more about Michelle and her story. And we're going to be talking about whether or not you're a know-it-all leader or person or a learn-it-all leader or person. And I would ask you all to start thinking about that right now. Like, how do you come across, even if it's not your intention? We're going to dive into this. We're going to talk about how leaders need a to-learn list. We're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about how to be a learn-it-all. And she also goes over why she chooses biographies instead of business books when it comes to her growth and development. So I hope that you enjoy it. Here's part one with the Michelle Peluso. Michelle, welcome to Grow Further. Thanks, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And you are actually the first guest where we're just going to jump in and I'm going to ask you to share your story with us. And I want to welcome you to start anywhere because I think there's so many people that look at you and they look at where you're at and they just say, man, I wish I could do that. And there's stories you know, that we have that we can share that can show the world like it didn't happen overnight. I didn't just get here overnight, you know, so if you don't mind sharing your your story with us and you can start wherever you want. Um, I know that your dad and your mom were very inspirational to you growing up. Yeah, uh, so I don't yeah. know if you want to start there or not, but start. that's a great place to start. Um you know, I uh, I grew up with a mom who was a teacher and a dad who was an entrepreneur and an engineer. And um, I think the thing that was so impressive, Chris, is they were just, in their own way, they were such hard workers, both of them. Um, my dad was so passionate about his team. He, he built a business. Yeah. And he was so passionate about his team and his clients. I mean, he would come home at the dinner table and it was always talking about his team, his clients. Like, so he made us a part of that journey. And my mom was an educator and so she just had like a real passion for making sure that we always put our best into things. So so that was that was really inspiring this idea that um, no matter where you started from, no matter what you had, your obligation was to show up. Your obligation was to um, be the best version of yourself that you could be. My parents were also um, remarkably, I look back at this, I'm like, I don't even know why they thought this, but um, they really gave me a lot of independence. I mean, we grew up in an environment where um, actually at our school, there were, it wasn't a particularly academic school. Only about 25% of my graduating class went on to a four-year college and about another 25% went on to a two-year school. So it was not oh, wow. a particularly 
academic environment. It was a, um, uh, a farm community that, um, you know, had advanced into some, some different industries and like, but mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I heard about this program in the Soviet Union at the time. And it was, it was, the president was sending some people over media professionals and other professionals to try to understand why did Soviet people feel a certain way about Americans? Americans felt a certain way about Soviets. None of us had ever met, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to have kind of um, some media professionals go over there, explore the Soviet Union. And so there was this joint Gorbachev and I, I think it was actually Reagan, if I remember correctly at the time program. Wow. And I heard about it and I'm like, oh, they need to have a student. They have to bring a student. It has to be me. So I started this letter oh writing. Gosh. And um, my uncle had been invited to go as a media professional and, um, and, and priest, actually. And I begged him and the, you know, I, I was allowed to go, but I didn't know my parents. So I got this letter in the mail that said that they were um, willing to take a student and that I could go. It was going to be three weeks in September. And I had to like, I don't know, I had to like send $3,000 or $2,000 or something. And plus I was going to miss the first three weeks of school. So I remember downstairs, I cooked my parents like this great breakfast on a Saturday morning. And I was like, I have some great news. This is like August, you know, 15th. I'm like, I have some wonderful news. Um, I'm going to the Soviet Union and, uh, you know, I'm leaving in like two weeks. I'm going to miss three weeks of school and I just need to borrow like $2,000. And, you know, can you imagine like your 15-year-old daughter tells you, going to the Soviet Union in, in the middle of like, no, not at all. War, you know? Um, so my parents were remarkably understanding about my need for independence and sort of my curiosity about the world. And I really appreciate how they nurtured that. I went on to go to college at University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School of Business, which was amazing. Um, and that I think part of it was coming out of the Soviet Union. I had such an appreciation for, um, for the world and was so curious about the world and business and economics and, um, and politics. And so that was an incredible experience. I won a scholarship over to Oxford and spent a few years at Oxford, um, which was great. I lived in Africa in between those years and had incredible experience in Senegal, um, on a joint development project with, uh, the world bank and city group. And then came back to the Boston consulting, started the Boston consulting group in New York, did a year in London, which is great. And then uh, became a White House fellow um, at a very young no age. Way. Incredible to be in the Clinton administration. Um, I became senior advisor to the Secretary of Labor at like, you know, 27 or something years old. Um, and then I started my own company, BCG, put the funding in, put the first round seed money in. And a group of us started a company in the digital space. Travel House acquired us. Um, we made it through 9-11, which was a really harrowing, uh, deeply challenging personal experience and leadership experience. Um, and then Travelocity acquired us, so then I became CEO of Travelocity, uh, became a mom, got married, became mom to two kids who were incredible. How old and are they now? They are 13, or sorry, 14 and 12. Oh, and- Okay. Well, yeah, just to fast forward real fast, you know, went to um, Citigroup during the financial crisis and and uh, Gilt and IBM and have been here at CVS Health for the past two years and loving it, really loving it. So, oh so gosh. proud of the purpose. I think, Chris, that's the thing that resonates with me so deeply here. Uh, same for me. I actually... Um I don't know why, but I had a dream. I was like, am I going to say this to Michelle or not? Because I don't want to sound corny, but I genuinely mean it, which is 
bringing our heart to every moment of your health. It is so meaningful. And this podcast for me is the way that I think about our purpose is bringing my heart to every moment of your growth, mm-hmm. every moment of your development through yeah. conversations like this. Yeah. Well, what's so interesting, Chris, right, is we all can always be getting better. I mean, that's been such a motto for me throughout my life, which is, um, and again, I think goes back, harkens back to my parents too, but how, how do you just keep getting better? You know, how does your world keep opening up? How do you, how do you keep expanding your, um, your skills, your capabilities, your leadership style? How do you become a more empathetic person and leader? How do you, um, sharpen the hard skills? I mean, technology is changing so fast. How do you keep track? So I, I love the concept of, what it means to be a lifelong learner, what it means to be, to stay curious, you know, stay curious about the world. And I think your point is a really important one because we have such a unique opportunity in healthcare. Um, One, of course, the subject matter is changing so rapidly and there's, you know, so many things on the horizon constantly, but secondly, because it matters so much in people's lives. And so if you can combine the intellect, that is really powerful. Super powerful. And actually, I would love that. For, let's pick one of those questions you just posed to yeah. us about um, growth and how do you continue to do that? Um, I'd love to explore that just for a moment with you, because whoever's listening to this right now, I want them to be able to hear from your story that it sounds like you consistently pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's a great, it's very fair. And sometimes I wonder, why can't I just take the easy path? <laughs> would be yeah. a answer. Um uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that um, I have tried to always have kind of confidence in the things I know and bring to the table, but curiosity and humility about what I want to learn. And it's that duality that has been a source of inspiration for me in my career. You know, uh, we, we had the privilege at Karen's leadership session of hearing General Bernie Banks speak. And he, he's incredible. I've heard him speak a few times. But one thing he said that really resonated with me, he said, all of us have a to-do list, but to all of us have a to-learn list. Mm. And that was a great point. Um, and making sure that we each always have to-learn lists is a is a powerful, powerful thought. Ooh, can we dive into that a little bit more, the, the to-learn list? Because sure. I recently for CVS Health had a conversation with leaders about being a know-it-all versus a learn-it-all. Oh, I know. That's my path. Lo- so that phrase came initially from Satya Nadella, at least the, the origins that I've mm-hmm. is from Satya. And it was a pivotal time at Microsoft. And Satya said, look, you know, we're, we're viewed as this monopoly. We're viewed as this um, a little bit arrogant and that we walk into clients kind of with the answer. And the, the fundamental shift he was trying to drive in the culture was let's be learn-it-alls, not know-it-alls. The moment I heard that phrase, it became a huge part. As a matter of fact, we had to write our leadership philosophy, and that was my number one principle of just a few. Um, so I, I love that concept. And what is so powerful about that is I think the unintended consequences it can unleash. So, of course, it means what you think it means. It means be curious. The world's always changing. It means commit yourself to learning. There's new capabilities, new technologies. He said this is a technologist. So he was leaning into the idea that technology was changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's different industries. There's in, in our um, world, obviously, vast advances in, in the ways to think about uh, think about health and wellness. 
new needs driven by digital and omni-channel. So of course it means those things. In some ways, those are the obvious things that statement implies. But for me, there's a hidden meaning to that statement that I really love, which is if you're in a room, let's think about two separate leadership rooms. One room is filled with a bunch of people and a leader who's a know-it-all. The other room is filled um, with a bunch of people and a leader who's a learn-it-all. Which conversation is going to be mm. more inclusive? Which conversation are people going to be more willing to express, you know, innovative, creative ideas? Which conversation are there going to be more people kind of leaning in to solving the problem together? Which conversation is going to be more creative? Like, so that's what I also love about it. Because if you're that way in a room, um, I think there's this beautiful uh, cultural opportunity for the team to be bolder ideas, more creative ideas, more innovation, more inclusion, more risk-taking, more vulnerability, exactly more honesty about what's wrong. You know, this isn't working. How are we going to fix it? More honesty and transparency. Yes. And so that's, I think, in some ways, the unintended or the maybe the secondary benefit of being a learn-it-all and not a know-it-all. And how wonderful would that be if that became the intention? Like, I'm right. going to show up in this way to demonstrate that I'm a learn-it-all. And mm -hmm. for those listening, how could we break that down into, like, an action? Can you give an example of a learn-it-all action? Sure. Like, leader action or even parent action? Because you think about boardrooms yeah. and your dining room table. Right. It's like, there's still people around. And I hear psychological safety, like, coming out and so much of what enables that innovation and diversity of thought and helping people to feel more and just be, not just feel included, but be included. Two tips. I'll give you two tips uh, to make it concrete. One, ask great questions. Focus more of your time and more of your energy on asking great questions as opposed to saying what you think should happen or agreeing or disagreeing. Ask great questions. And I've, I've witnessed this. I have had the privilege of being on the Nike board for almost nine years, which has been amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, I've watched, I think, some of the best business leaders in the world on that board, including Tim Cook, um, for instance, the CEO of Apple, of course, Phil Knight, Mark Parker. What I have learned being a student in those in those situations is great board members ask great questions. They're not giving their point of view. They're not there to opine about their experience necessarily. They're using their experience and their intellect and their, you know, world view to ask provoking, thought-provoking questions that engender conversation. So that's one tip. Um, ask great questions. But the second one is if you're in a room and three or four people, say, say you're in a room of seven people and three or four of them are, are maybe they're, they're dominating the conversation a little bit, they're sure about the answer, et cetera. Take the time to go ask specifically the other three people who aren't talking as much. How do you think about this? With your hat on and the kind of way you see the world or with your functional expertise or, you know, you've been here a long time. And so you've probably seen similar things. When has it worked? When has it not worked? But make sure that when you're in a room, you're trying to draw out people who maybe their learning styles are different or their participation styles are different. Maybe they're not as extroverted. They're not as willing to talk first. Mm -hmm. But um, but but do that because I think what you can do in that regard, if you think about that room, let's just make up that room. Let's say that room has someone from risk and someone from marketing and someone from sales and someone from HR and someone from how much richer will the conversation be and For how sure. much more can you learn as a leader about potential risk, potential fallout, but what if it goes wrong? How do we, you know, how do we pull back? What, how would we adjust? 
if you make sure you're hearing from all those diverse points of view, as opposed to maybe just, you know, maybe it's normally the salesperson and the legal person who are having the conversation. So I think those are two tips I've used to try to create that environment. But the other thing, Chris, you have to actually have a learning agenda. I mean, you really do have to have a learning agenda yourself. You've got to be reading, you know, studying, learning. I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it, but you yourself actually have to be committed to expanding your own knowledge and skill set. You got it. And I think that there's this belief that the higher you go in a company or in life, that your development and growth just starts becoming less and less of a priority. Mm. But what I'm hearing for you is that as you continue to grow in your life, in your career, the learn your learn list, you know, the to learn list almost needs to be getting longer, not shorter. I think that's right because I think the um, the more you grow in an organization, in all likelihood, the more complex your job is, the more complex the environment is, um, the more unfamiliar you're going to be with certain circumstances because you're operating in a different stage. Now, look, I've had the benefit of, of going into different industries and different companies. And so I've had to think a lot about, you know, how do you learn? How do you learn about healthcare? How do you learn about the things that I haven't? grown up with. I haven't had experience before. How For do sure. I learn about the culture? What matters at CVS Health, right? What um, What's acceptable? How do people behave when no one's watching at CVS Health? What, um, what are the norms and the standards that, you know, evoke the best results from the team? So I think that um, it is absolutely a false assumption that the more senior you become in an organization, the you know, the more you kind of know all the answers. Yes. The more, and that goes back to that, that conundrum between the know-it-all and the learn-it-all. Right. There's this mythology that, you know, as you become more and more senior, you become that, you know, all-powerful know-it-all. I think it's the exact opposite. I think the most successful leaders, the more they grow, the more they develop, the more they become learn-it-alls. And to that point, Michelle, got to ask, what's on your to-learn list today? Yeah. If anything, because <laughs> I know there's a long to-do list, I'm sure, but yeah. that to, to learn well, list, is there anything you could share? Sure. I like to have a, a mix of things, right? And so, um, for instance, some stuff is just like pure curiosity. And I've just been, um, for whatever reason, I, I'm an avid, avid reader. And so I have been really focused on lately, I don't know why, but the founding of our country. I've just been super intrigued by some of the leaders, the founding of our country and kind of what our country went through. It just, um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't know, maybe it's because I've been thinking a lot about our current, you know, political environment and, sure. um, and how it feels a little less strong than I would like. And so, so that's been on my learning agenda. Um, I had come out of a period where I was doing a lot of deep learning on race and was super excited to dive into a bunch of authors and a bunch of perspectives on race that I had not um, encountered before. That was, that was wonderful. I went right through, before that, I went through a female biography phase where I was um, reading about some extraordinary women but I also always have like a substantive uh, sort of work-related learning agenda. And so um, I'll give you a great example. Uh, I have a list of like seven or eight topics that I feel like I don't deeply understand. Um, and I'll give you one example, 340B. Um, I, I, don't, I don't understand 340B. And so just this past week, I spent a good hour with the senior team uh, from 340B 
I had done some research in advance, as you would expect. Of course, I hear about it, but I really wanted to understand how covered entities make decisions, how they choose pharmacy networks, what are the different challenges on the horizon, how do pharmaceutical you know, companies feel about this, how do covered entities use the funding. Like, so I really wanted to understand that in great detail, and so, or more detail, I should say. I'm certainly not sure. an expert. Um, but that's a good example. That's on my list of like the seven or eight topics that I don't know well enough. And so I create these opportunities, you know, for myself to, to learn and I often bring people along. Like in that case, I, I had emailed a few other leaders who are new to the organization to see if they wanted to join me, which, which they did. So that's important. I almost always have a technical learning agenda just because I've always been in technical jobs and, um, whether it's cloud computing or quantum or AI, um, especially when I was at IBM, I used to regularly test on these topics. So we'd really have to study up and we'd, we'd have to test out of certain requirements. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I loved that just because I feel like industries are being remade by those who are coding the future. And it's really important to continue to understand where all that's going. And then as a business leader, how do I make sure that some of this stuff is super exciting, but there's some real risk, right? Bias and AI models, et cetera. Um, how do I make sure I'm, I understand enough to ask those great questions? And um, so that's on my agenda. And then from a mom perspective, you know, there's always things as well. And so what I like to think there is I like to try to understand kind of where my children are at. And, and you know, for the next kind of 90 day, I break things into sort of 90 day increments where can I show up as a better mom? Like what, what do my children need from me now? And so um, I've been leaning in a lot with sort of complicated math with my son, for instance, right. And refreshing my own skills. I'm not looking forward to that. Oh, I know. I'm like, I'm not. My own math skills. And I, I consider myself very mathematical, but I'm like, yeah. oh, I forgot all this complex algebra. So um, I love that diversity of your responses. Examples. But I think uh you know, that, that um, Nike ESG, um, I chair NomGov and Purpose. And so as, for instance, there's a lot more sort of a regulatory environment on how we think about environmental impact and some of the potential disclosures all companies are going to have to do with their tier one, two, and three um, emissions. You know, I've been learning, I've been reading a lot about that on the side. So I, I'm I'm constantly sort of, you know, nosing a book. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. And is there one book for anybody that's out there that's just like, I want to grow a little bit further. I don't know exactly what it is. Do you have a book that you might recommend? That's a great question. I, um, I always am like, I, I always like love the last thing I read. <laughs> so, um, you know, look, I, I actually think I don't read a ton of business books, I would say. Um, I read a lot of leadership profiles and, um, cause I love biographies or autobiographies. And I, I find that I can take so much from understanding the circumstances that, you know, people have gone through. And so I don't know whether it's reading about Eleanor Roosevelt or, um, I just finished some, some books on Ruth Bader Ginsburg or whether it's Martin Luther King or whether it's Catherine Graham or, you know, I mean, there's just so many extraordinary, the long walk to freedom is still to this day, one of my absolute favorites from Mandela. Um, I just love putting myself in a different context and seeing the world through someone else's eyes and, um, trying to understand kind of what makes them tick. What were those moments? I think in part, because inevitably every single one of those extraordinary people 
um, were shaped during really hard times. Um, Doris Kearns Goodwin, uh, Goodwin's book on Lincoln's incredible team of rivals uh, as an example. And, and you see uh, how people dig deep, where they find resilience, um, how they shift who they are as leaders to meet the moment. Um, and I always find that really inspiring. That's inspiring to me just hearing it. I mean, but what I'm really taking from you is people that you're inspired by perhaps look at their story. Um, because yeah. a lot of the most famous people, they did grow as a result of a really challenging time that yeah. they experienced. Well, yeah. And I think sometimes, um, and not to be, not to say anything negative about, um, about business books, but sometimes like those books are written and it's all, um, polished, you know, and it's like the, the, um, they've been distilled down and polished down <laughs> to seven lessons of yes. or whatever. And what I kind of like about biographies is they're just messier, you know, they're more complicated. They're more, um, they're more complex. Um, and isn't that the human work. condition? Yes. Isn't right? that the it's human like, condition? It's like, you can, I that's why I love it. Right. As opposed to like, here's a chapter on this and here's a blurb on that. And here's a chapter. I love the messiness, the complexity, the, um, the resilience, the grit, the grace, the, you know, the screw ups, the vulnerabilities, the comebacks. So mm -hmm. that's why I've always gravitated more toward, reading, you know, life stories. All right, everybody, that concludes our first part of the interview with Michelle Palooza. I hope that you're feeling energized, inspired, really starting to reflect internally on that learn it all versus know it all, the to learn list. And guess what? The conversation isn't over. Next time we talk to Michelle about the importance of being authentic, what that means and how to be it. We talk about why you should be asking great questions, the importance of getting to know your team, the importance of learning to play with joy. But until part two, maybe take some time to read some biographies, stay curious, and try to do one thing, just one, to grow just a little bit further, because you can do that. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll see you again soon in a couple weeks. listening to the Grow Further podcast. If you'd like to help us grow further, please subscribe. And don't forget to let us know what you thought of today's episode. 